Welcome to our third day of Untitled Art Podcast. And today we have the privilege of um, engaging in a conversation with Devan Chimoyama, an artist that is currently exhibiting at the fair and is uh, showcasing the Tarot Card Series. And I'm very much um, intrigued by Devon's process, which is a layer with many, many, many different uh, references that we will be talking about today. I have had the privilege to spend time with Devon years ago and get to know his work um, quite well. He is a multidisciplinary artist whose performances has been for me, have been for me as a curator, a point of reference. Um, when I want to understand the what's going on right now in terms of artist practices. I remember a few years back here in Miami when Devin was doing the Fontanhead residency, we talked about a particular performance that he did at Fire Island during a residency. And that was the starting point for me to really uh, embrace his practice as a curator. Today, we're very happy to have Devin here. And I'm going to let Devin tell you a little bit more about the work that he's presenting at Untitled and a little bit about his uh a new series called the Tarot Card, a Tarot Card series. Thank you. Um, yeah, so I've had the privilege of showing here at Untitled a few times now with the Debuck Gallery, and um, this time I'm working on a focused body of work that will eventually be shown at CAC Malaga in Spain uh, next year, next summer. And it's all uh, my interpretations of tarot card compositions, looking at the illustrations from the kind of classic two decks of uh, looking at the Marseille deck and then looking also at the Rider Waite tarot deck. Um, and it's funny, I was just talking to a friend of mine who's also an amazing curator, Monique Long, um, in the car on the way over here about uh, the history of tarot being kind of a little bit mysterious in that um, certain names were always erased from even the history of who's made those images. And the tarot card uh, illustrations that I'm really looking to as a source of inspiration were actually made by a woman who is a Jamaican il illustrator. Um, so in the earlier, uh, back in the early 1900s, late 1800s, she had been making Um, a lot of uh, illustrations for Jamaican folklore and fairy tales and things like that. Uh, she worked with um, Ryder Waite, and her name is um, Pamela Smith. Uh, and so she, uh, she really is somebody that only now is being recognized as being kind of a foundation for modernism in a lot of ways. And so uh, it's kind of an incredible thing to be looking at this like history of this uh, work and not even having recognized some of that initially and discovering through the process of investigating, um, you know, the history of those images that it's actually, you know, some of those things that are resonating with me 
tethers to my own uh, background um, as somebody who's of Caribbean descent. So um, yeah, the paintings are all larger than life size. They're all seven feet tall by 68 inches wide. So they're quite large. Mixed media. Um, I'm using a lot of things like glitter. I'm cutting up clothing, um, using colored pencil, uh, a lot of different uh, jewelry, costume jewelry broken up and sort of collaged into the painting. And so materially for me, that's something that I use in everything I do, but it's really fun to be able to bring that, those elements into this specific body of work. No, I, I, I was absolutely um, um, impressed with the new elements that you're bringing into the work. Um, the work has become more physical, much more sculptural in many ways. But also, I always see you as the perfect example of an artist that is always, always surprising us with new ways of saying what you've been saying for some time now. In fact, when you talked about this particular artist uh, from Jamaica, I think um, it is so important, and I always make reference to... Um, Artists, historical artists that have been completely ignored or erased from our history based on perhaps issues that we're looking at right now. And we are, you as an artist, myself as a curator, and many more people that work in the field in the process of trying to bring them to light and give them the space that they actually deserve. Can you tell us a little bit more about how you build your work in terms of content? Because each work that I look um, at today evokes a lot of different things. It's not just simply a visual image. It's full of references that we all um, connected to. Yeah, thank you. Um, the references in the paintings are, there's a lot of symbolism that I'm inspired by and sort of taking and making some subtle changes to and sometimes bigger changes. Um, so I am looking at pre-existing illustrations that already have a history and a relationship to things like the occult. So for me, I'm, um, I was raised Baptist Christian in, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And so a lot of that type of uh, mysticism or divinity or things related to the occult are certainly something that I looked at as uh, evil or very bad um, as a child. And even recently, you know, there are things that I'm, I'm very hesitant to sort of approach and to look into. And, and um, for me, it's a way for me to investigate um, from a point of curiosity, um, thinking about how I can look to these symbols as something that are uh, maybe not so dangerous and, and dark-sided, but maybe they're things that are really beautiful and can be um, positive taken from these things. So for me, it's a learning experience, even just investigating the symbolism within those uh, illustrations. So um, taking them and then changing them to things that I feel like relate to me a little bit better. So um, first thing that I'll say is that all of the paintings are self-portraits, and that's because thinking about the narrative that's presented in the major arcana of those tarot cards, it's called the fool's journey. So there is somewhat of a protagonist that undergoes 
a number of changes throughout this journey from card to card. And he's learning about himself. He goes through a lot of trials and, um, and overcomes so much. And, and I think that that's what's really kind of beautiful about a lot of the symbols and a lot of the imagery you're seeing. They're meant to teach lessons. Um, you see this character sort of grow and change throughout the, those iterations. And so I wanted to sort of have a protagonist in the paintings. And I started with myself because I started this during the pandemic. And so it was a way of looking inward and really um, finding different things that I really love or, or find comfort in or um, things that I've uh, used as or, or sought out as ways for looking into things that entertain me, things that make me curious or excited or, or laugh and feel comfortable and safe as well. Um, that was important to imbue the paintings with some of that. So a lot of things that I'm really, really interested in and have really sort of done a deep dive into during the pandemic are things like I've taught myself how to sew um, and I'm looking into fashion more and um, I'm learning how to do different crafting techniques and things like that in my practice. So really a lot of the things that I'm bringing into it are, are kind of riffing off of those things as well. So um, yeah, there's a lot of chopped up clothes, some things I've made, some things I'm um, just sort of buying or even old clothes that I've made while making the work kind of reappear in the work. Um, a lot of the costume jewelry and things like that remind me of, uh, of home. It reminds me of family, but it also reminds me of um, chosen family in a lot of ways, people that I've gotten close to that are performers in drag as well. So um, I'm really kind of trying to bring different elements of safety, security, and comfort into something that maybe in what it's sort of rooted in, think again, the occult, uh, that's something that makes me uncomfortable. And I wanna find a way to sort of disrupt that and sort of push that discomfort away and, and, and create a space that feels safe for learning and exploration and appreciation. That's wonderful. Um, I, I have to say that when people talk about portraiture or self-portraiture, um, sometimes it's not about just a figure in terms of the representation of who we are uh, physically, but it is uh, much more important to bring into that personal pieces of your, your own history that is so connected to, to a much bigger uh, history. So perhaps this is a way that people need to understand that a self-portrait can be simply an object an object that you place on the floor, but if that object is charged, it is an extension of your identity. Mm -hmm. So can you talk a little bit more about that? I mean, how do you, do you consider your work self-portraiting oh, by all means? That's an interesting question. I do think about, um, sometimes I, I do it more intentionally sort of make a self-portrait. I'm really thinking more about conveying something specifically about myself. I'm articulating my features a little bit more specifically. But in these paintings, I think of it as more of I'm using my own body as a vessel or a kind of archetypal character, a protagonist of a narrative through which I'm exploring a multitude of small kind of vignettes or scenes or moments. Um, so in these works, it's not so much about uh, self-portraiture or reflection in that capacity, but I'm using my own body as a way to explore um, mythology, magic, folklore, uh, and a lot of different topics. So, um, yeah, I think that that's a complicated thing. But what I'm really excited to do is, is as I'm approaching the sort of tail end of the series, 
I'm, uh, there are six tarot cards that uh, depict a seated figure on a, on a different throne. Um, there's like the high priestess, the hierophant, the, uh, um, the empress, the emperor, justice, and, um, and all of those I really wanted to dedicate to my family. And so each one will be a different member of my family presented in those. And those somehow will feel significantly or even more substantially personal and almost more self-reflective than anything right. else in that series in a weird way, even though the other ones depict my own body. It's interesting because we, we keep talking about the body and um, um, in terms of uh, performance, which is something that you, um, you embrace a lot in, in, in terms of references, but also also with your own work, um, the body always occupies this weird space that we see a, we see it present even when the body is removed. It's so present because even the way we arrange spaces, physical spaces, is about the body. And each space sort of kind of forces you as an artist to think differently in terms of even constructing your uh, narrative and the composition of the work, um, how you, and I noticed that in your work, from you're, you're a master of uh, deconstructing the space, and, and but it's still, even when you deconstruct the space in such a way, you're still, the body's still there. And, and why is it the body is so important, I, I think, in, in, in your work? Um, it's, it's, it's a vessel, a vessel full of, I guess, information, yeah. experiences. Yeah, the body. Um, you know, I, I, when we met, I had just done um, more work that was maybe rooted in performance and my own body physically being in a real space, um, interacting with landscape. Uh, interacting with interior spaces. Um, and since then, I've done a lot of work that's sort of uh, maybe representing or illustrating the body in my work. Um, in that piece that you probably saw at that time, I had covered my entire body in honey and glitter, and I was on the beach in Fire Island, and I was performing this kind of shamanistic ritual. And, uh, and it was this, um, for me, it was a way for me to connect with uh it felt like i could teleport or almost like sort of transport um a part of myself outside of where i currently was during that time a lot of um death was happening that felt significant to me but i was kind of in this fantasy landscape where people weren't recognizing or wrangling with the same hardships that i was dealing with and so um oddly enough i've moved my practice into more um of painting and then sculpture and the sculpture a lot of them represent objects that adorn or cover our bodies. So there's, I've made a lot of hoodies that are covered in silk flowers and rhinestones and other materials that you might associate with spontaneous memorial. I have an installation over at um, Basel at the main fair in the Meridian section that shows um, shoes dangling from wires. And so all these things still relate to our bodies. And so much of it that's significant to me is about scale and, um, scale. and then also representation, how we identify with certain objects, but then also, in my paintings, um, it's a way to sort of connect with people that maybe aren't able to even see the work in person. I know that my work commands a, di a different type of presence in person, and 
Um, and for me, when I use and deconstruct an actual garment of clothing, that helps somebody have an understanding or a registry to say like, oh, this, this is like resonating with me in a one-to-one scale. And I can receive that and sort of insert myself or project myself into this character in this painting's sort of alternate dimension and explore smaller moments of magic or, um, you know, maybe uh, wrangling with a, a number of different types of interpersonal like feelings or um, sensations. And so it's, uh, for me, the body and the paintings also have this gradient that runs from the top of their head down to the you know the ends of their bodies, and that gradient feels like um, when when I think of a gradient, even in a digital space, or I think of it as like a sunrise or a sunset, it's something that's infinite. Um, but in the paintings, it's contained within the body, so it really feels like I'm I'm allowing these figures to sort of be these containers or these vessels for an infinite multitude of um, sort of like divine being. And I really want to elevate these characters and these figures to something beyond just, um, you know, something so simple. So you, yeah. you mentioned, for example, that you were experiencing death at one point yeah. and uh, a lot of the work was uh, in response to this particular emotion or feelings. Um, I think uh, when I see some of your work, uh, even though your work is, is about life, your work is really about life. But at the same time, I see this element that reminds me a, a bit of the Momento Mori, the sort of 19th century obsession with, but, but in a very visual way. It, it, it's almost like representing that. And we can... I mentioned Momento Mori, which comes from more from a European uh, a position. But if you go to all the cultures, a celebration of that in cultures in Latin America, for example, or in Africa, that um, this becomes this sort of rebirth and is represented through this beautiful sort of... Um, composition of colors, elevation of the, the visual. And I see that in your work. It's almost like they, they meet and, and there is this incredible uh, um, sense of life at the same time. I think um, a lot about that in my own practice and that's sort of the, the material side of my practice certainly leans into that thinking about death, but um, using joy and celebration as a way to sort of deal with a lot of those darker feelings um, or the end of something doesn't always feel like the end. And that certainly is present in terror as well. There's so much about rebirth and there's so much about um, even the, the death tarot card, uh, you know, is, is a lot about rebirth and it's not about death in a sort of um, morbid way. It's about death as the end of something, but the potential for regrowth and a more of like thinking about a Phoenix. And so celebration um, and a lot of the materials are, are important to me, but certainly the silk flowers, for me at least, I associate so heavily with, um, with spontaneous memorials. I'm also Caribbean, yeah. and you mentioned yeah. that you're Caribbean, so we have a cultural, um, we share that heritage. And uh, when you talked about the Caribbean, I, I see that in your work as well. I see this sort of celebration 
in 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 the Caribbean carnival. Carnival becomes uh, the time of celebration, the time where all the social structures are broken. And there is a history about carnival because it was the only time that, you know, the slaves were able to be free and express themselves freely. And, and I think that is so important in our culture. And I always, I, and I think that's, One of the reasons that I uh, connected to your work is that I grew up in, in a culture that is your culture, but I think it transcends people from the Caribbean, something that is much more layered yeah. in many ways. Yeah, I love that. Um, I love that because of the references to even thinking about celebration and joy and dance as a way to sort of release. It's a catharsis. Right. Um, and that's... A, definitely really present in something that I try to evoke in the work, so. No, I see, I see the way you use uh, things that spark. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying one is particular material, but your work uses in a very wonderful way these sort of kind of sparks that, that makes you, you know, it's, it's a way of, it, it, it's a device, but it's a device that has a meaning to And I think everything you use in your work absolutely has a meaning. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think uh, the sparkle, that sort of um, dazzling material to me is something that is really, uh, it's a cheaper material that has this similar effect of mimicking something more expensive or more luxurious. It's also an association with parties or celebrations and so it feels like it's um you know under the right lighting conditions or or in the right settings it becomes um this material that can transport you somewhere or it, it can transform the body into something uh more divine or spectacular or uh you know it happens in drag it happens at carnival people decorate and want to dazzle and sort of uh you know cover their bodies in feathers and adorn themselves and it, it becomes something more luxurious and and ornate and costumery, you kind of change into something, some new elevated form of yourself. So I really love how a craft material has that power to do that. When you say drag, I always think of Paris is Burning. Oh yeah. That particular documentary yeah. where it's, um, it was a celebration to, to, of, of um, particular community that their reality, their every, everyday reality was tough yeah. but this was the moment to really shine and forget and be looked at and and be wonderful and be who you wanted to be but it's not yeah. necessarily your everyday life and escape and escape and i think art does that and your work does that Yeah, my practice certainly is heavily inspired by, I have a lot of friends of mine do drag and I have a lot of friends of mine that are, um, you know, I have a, one of my best friends lives in New Orleans and they also have a, you know, huge celebrations in the streets with a lot of colors and a lot of fanfare and costumery and it's a, it's, it's something escapist, it's something kind of uh, a way to sort of perform a, another version of yourself maybe, maybe not even something more true, but just another version, like yeah. adding another layer to oneself and celebrating that. Yeah, I, I, you mentioned New Orleans. New Orleans had um, 
lot of connections to the Caribbean historically. There was a lot of back and forth between uh, the Caribbean and New Orleans. And some people even argue that New Orleans is a Caribbean city. I mean, so it feels completely different from yeah. the rest of the United States. Right, right, right. I mean, when I go to New Orleans, I, I feel it. It's, it's one of those places that you feel that you are at home. And I always wonder, why do I feel so good in New Orleans? And I think it's because it doesn't feel like a foreign place to me. And I think that's, that's the case with many people. I'm not talking about the, the touristic New Orleans. Right. I'm talking about the real New Orleans, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is amazing. And I had the opportunity to, to work with Trevor a little bit as an advisor when he did Prospect New Orleans. So I was able to immerse myself a little bit more into the culture. And, and I, think, uh, I think you felt that. When he did that, that particular show, it was it was really charged. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's amazing. So this is this is great. This is uh, fantastic. Um, so I'm very excited uh, uh, about this new body of work. Congratulations! I'm I'm very uh, moved by the size, the ambition, Thank the you. references. And uh, and I know that you are working on other things. Is there uh, something specific that you want to share with us? Another body of work, or <laughs> or you want to leave it uh, to just this? Um, I'll just mention that uh, generally speaking, in my practice, I'm always working on other uh, sculptural works alongside um, a lot of the paintings. And so, at the moment, um, I just. Uh, installed, like I said, another project over at the Meridians at Basel, which came from uh, the Smithsonian, and that's uh, the largest scale sculptural work that I've made. And by the um, way, I was blown away. Congratulations! Oh yeah. Thank you it was so really much. beautiful. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, like I, I continue to make these types of works, and I'm I'm trying to figure out a way to sort of also bring back and return to other bodies of work that I've made. Um, and bring them back to life in other iterations. Like I did a project some time ago in Washington, D.C. called uh, the Barbershop Project, uh, along with Cultural D.C. Right, right. And so, you know, finding ways to bring that to other cities. Originally, we, we had it ready to go somewhere else, and then the pandemic hit, so it sort of derailed things. But we're working on figuring out how to bring that back again, too, and, and actually engage with communities more directly. That's great. That's, um, that's uh, And I know... For you, that's important, and uh, and I'm I'm sure there's going to be really great things coming up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.